As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. In, babe. Welcome to Coco Caliente. I forgot that was our intro. I was just about to start talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because, yeah, because we're smart now. So, we are? yeah, we are smart now because now, yeah, we might record an episode in advance, mm-hmm. but we'll wait to do the intro and outro because it's only fitting because we want it to be relevant to what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we don't want it to be old. Yeah, exactly. Old news. And that was actually your idea, which I appreciate your smart ideas and I can acknowledge when you have a smart idea. So that was a smart Thank idea. Thank you. Um, and today it's a little bit more serious tone, but it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a guest. His name is? Kevin Hines. Kevin Hines. And uh, he is a... He's an advocate about speaking up about mental health. He has an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he survived a... Uh, Suicide attempt. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's really interesting. Uh, it, it's it's something that me and Nicole talk about all the time. It's like spreading awareness about mental health. Mm-hmm. He's um, changing a lot of lives. Exactly. And like trying to eliminate the stigma and help mm-hmm. people get better opposed to hiding in the shadows. Because... Uh, as a nurse, um, I see it as a sickness just as much as, you know, having anything else like a heart problem, a lung it is. problem. 100%. And so I think that we need, it's not a choice. You cannot just get better by saying, get better. Some yeah. people just say, be happy, um, change your attitude, change your outlook. There is the chemicals in chemical your brain. Exactly. Yeah. So let's just stop the stigma. Um, we will, we love to share this on our podcast because we know people personally that suffer through this mm-hmm. and I have anxiety and there's just things that I think um, sharing will make it more talkable. Yeah. And if you, and you yourself, the listener right now mm-hmm. might not have a mental health uh, illness, but mm-hmm. This might help you see signs of somebody that does or might help somebody open up to you because help, you're more accepting of it. You yeah, know? right. Help accept it. Exactly. Um, as far as just understanding it more. That's yeah. when you become, you just become more um, aware. aware and intelligent mm-hmm. in the topic. And it makes you see things how you don't know what it's like until you feel it. And it might come later in life as well where... My anxiety wasn't as bad until I hit 20. This past year was my worst year for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm 20, what am I, 27? <laughs> so yeah. it can come later too as well. Yeah, and- so this is all about continuing the conversation. Mm-hmm. Kevin Hines has an amazing story. You guys should definitely check him out after you listen to this podcast. And mm-hmm. we really hope you guys enjoy. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing this morning? Doing fine. 
All right. Well, A, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show to talk with us. Uh, we really think this is a very, very important topic, uh, mental health. It's definitely something that's not spoken uh, about it. You know, it's not spoken about more. Um, and I feel like the more people talk about it, uh, the more informed they are, the better help people can get. And, you know, and that's how we prevent mm-hmm. people hurting themselves. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Kevin, just tell us a little bit uh, about your story. Um, we're going to pretend like our listeners don't know anything. Obviously, we did yeah. our research about you, so um, we we know, but we want our listeners to hear your story. Uh, so if you can just you know tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I was um, I had a very traumatic infancy uh, due to my birth parents struggling with substance use disorder okay. uh, and, and mental illness. And I was very uh, lucky to be adopted by a beautiful family uh, and given an amazing childhood and adolescence. Um, even so, I would see the inside of a psych ward three times before I was 30 years of age oh, wow. because of my brain health. And uh, at 17 and a half years of age, I would be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Uh, type one with psychotic features. That means I have the mania, the highs and the lows of bipolar disorder, the mania and the depression. But I would, I would, uh, also see and hear things that didn't exist to anyone but me. Oh. So, um, uh, I would end up, uh, at 19, so terribly depressed that I would attempt to take my life off the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, which is a, a, a suicide uh, attempt that is 99% fatal. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I survived the fall. And, and in the survival, there were three things that came into play that day that saved my life. The first was a woman driving by in a red car, saw me go over the rail, and immediately called her friend in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. And the reason the Coast Guard got to my position in the water before I would set in hypothermia and drown was because of that woman making that phone call. Oh my gosh, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, and in the water, as I flailed to stay afloat, something uh, began circling beneath me, uh, bumping me up. And um, I thought it was a shark. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I would end up being on a show called Primetime Live on ABC News a year later with John Quinones. He does that show, What Would You Do?, Mm-hmm. And I said on the show, I said on the show, I thought there was a shark beneath me in the water. Mm-hmm. And people would write into the show from all over the world when it went online and went viral. And one man's letter stuck out of all the rest. His name was Morgan McWard. He was from Las Vegas, Nevada. And he was on the bridge that day with his mom. And he said to me in the note, he said, Kevin, uh, and this is a direct quote. He said, Kevin, I'm so very glad you're alive. I was standing less than two feet away from you when you jumped. Until this day, watching this show, no one would tell me whether you lived or died. It's haunted me until now. By the way, Kevin, there was no shark. Like you mentioned, there wasn't a show, but there was a sea lion. And the people above looking down believed it to be keeping your body afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived behind you. Wow. That is insane. I mean, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. the, the, The even more powerful part is that I would go back to the bridge a year later to the date of my attempt with my father. My father's idea was he wanted us to find closure, Mm -hmm. to drop a flower off the bridge. 
And we go back. And the first thing that happens is that I get vertigo on the bridge. I get really sick and nauseous. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, my dad said, show me where. And I remembered the exact light rail. And we walked to the light rail. My father grabbed my left hand with his right. We said an Our Father prayer. And I dropped the flower. And it very slowly wafted down, hit the water, made the tiniest of ripple effects. And two feet to the right, immediately popped up a sea lion. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Yeah. It was the most beautiful moment I've ever spent with my father besides him being the best man at my wedding. Wow. That yeah. is, that's amazing. And, and I mean. I have tears in my eyes. Yeah, no, that that's crazy. And I, I just, wow. Yeah, just wow. That, that just leaves me kind of speechless. And I had seen somewhere that immediately when you let go of the rails, you felt instant regret. But then there's no was, going back. It was an instantaneous regret and the belief that I just made the greatest mistake of my life and it was too late. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, when I got to the hospital, one of the foremost back surgeons on the West Coast was leaving for the day as I was entering. And I always say he did me a solid and opted to stay because <laughs> um, he did my surgery and replaced my shattered vertebrae with metal. Um and it was the first and only surgery of its kind. He invented it for me. Oh, my oh, gosh. Wow. I, have, I have full range of mobility. Um, only five of the Golden Gate Bridge Jump survivors, and there are 39 total. Only five of us get the pose to stand, walk, and run. Wow. Jeez. They, you... call, they, call us, they call us the most exclusive survivors club in the world. There's a book of the same name by Ben Sherwood. Wow. Yeah, talk about... <laughs> Wow, the the chances were slim, and you made it through, and and then to make it through and be making the impact you're doing now, I mean that's just amazing. My favorite deodorant, hands down, is Native. Um, I love that it feels it's a nat, all natural deodorant, and I love that it feels like the deodorant that isn't all natural. It's not like super wet and gooey and stuff like that. Yeah, we've tried other brands for sure, and this is definitely the best natural deodorant there is. Out yes, there. um, so. Making a switch to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice on product performance. I don't smell when I wear it. It's not like you have to smell like the natural outside. It literally, they come in all different scents, coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint. Um, you can, they offer free returns and exchanges in the United States. There's mm-hmm. something for everyone. So there's Men's sense and women's sense. Yeah, and if you don't believe us, there's over 9,000 five-star reviews. I mean, and they've been on like the Today Show, Elle Magazine, Pop Sugar, Refinery29, and that's just a couple of them. Yeah, so it doesn't have aluminum, parabens, talc, um, and they never test on animals, free shipping and returns. And so for $20, 20%, my bad. Yeah, for 20% <laughs> off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code COCO during checkout. So that's Native Deodorant, N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com and use promo code COCO, C-O-C-O, during checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Um, I just want to go back a little bit to that that diagnosis at 17 and a half you said uh, you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder with, uh, what was it, with uh, psychotic uh, features. Psychotic features, yes. My apologies. And yes. did you understand that at the time? Or, and, and, and back then, I mean, that was almost like a taboo thing, right? Like nobody wanted to talk about it. 
uh, or, or share that experience with anybody. It's kind of enclosed. So w- yeah. w- what was that for you, you know? It was really hard. It was hard to be labeled mentally ill when I just wanted to be a regular kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was hard to be told that I would have this, you know, what I thought was a flaw for the rest of my life. Um, and it was tough for me to, to admit it. I, I, I was in denial. I didn't want this disease. I didn't want to be labeled mentally ill. I just wanted to be my own person. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, 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 was, it was devastating. I was young and I wanted to be in well as I was prior to this whole situation. Yeah. And, and battling this disease while seeing and hearing things that nobody else could see or hear was very hard. Mm-hmm. It was it was devastating. And and just to understand a little bit, what what's kind of the stuff that you see and hear that other people don't hear? I would see death himself hover through my window oh. with his staff and blade and his right bony arm. He'd reach out his other bony hand and he would say, Come home with me. Mm-hmm. Um and that would have that would happen sometimes Monday through Monday. <sighs> it would happen every night. And I would just I wouldn't tell anybody. I was so fearful of what I was seeing that I kept it to myself. I was in effect silencing my pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I always tell people in my speeches, never again silence your pain. Your pain is valid. Your pain is worthy of my time and others. And your pain matters because you do. When we silence our pain, it bubbles and festers and boils and it bursts in things like rage, aggression, violence, substance use disorder, and suicidal thoughts, ideas, and actions. Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely true. And I, and I like now that as we're getting, as more years pass, more people feel more comfortable talking about it because it's out there more. Right. And I, and I think also that the modes of, uh, sharing information via social media, mostly now is what people look at is, is really helping that uh, move forward. Um, i.e. example, your Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. and then you do the speeches as well. So how did that actually manifest itself after, so you had that incident, right? You're recovering. And at what point did you decide, all right, I need to do this. I need to start talking to people. I need to get information out there to save other people's lives before they make an attempt and don't survive it because not a lot of people survived the attempts. Well, it was very much, uh, it was very much, uh, I was, it was, um, I was very reluctant. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to tell anyone besides the the people who knew my circle of friends and family. Mm -hmm. And I was in the, I was in the psych ward after my attempt, after my physical recovery, I was walking with a, a back brace and a cane and I'm in my room, my psych ward, putting on my back brace and in walks this Franciscan friar, this monk. He walks in. He was the chaplain of the hospital. His name was Brother George Cherry. And this guy would always look at, for 30 years of being the chaplain at the hospital, he would look at the chart and he would know what he was walking into. He would know what the person had been through. Mm -hmm. But on this day, for the first time ever, he did not look at the chart. And he walks in. He says, hey, kid, what are you in for? And I said, (laughs) "Uh, brother, I jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And he goes, oh, yeah? And I'm the Pope. He didn't, he didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I go, no, brother, that's what happened. That's why the back brace. That's why the cane. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's pray. And so he comes over to my left side, 
puts his right hand on my forehead and his left hand is holding the rosary. And we say a prayer together that I'm very familiar with. And, um, and he says, kid, when you get better, you ought to talk about this. And I said, about what to who? He said, you'll see. And I said, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, every day he'd come in, every day we'd pray, every day he'd say, kid, when you get better, you ought to talk about this. On the last day of my stay in the psych ward, he said, kid, I expect you'll talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly thinking like, okay, buddy, whatever, sure, pal. <laughs> you know, and then I remember walking out of the psych ward with my dad holding my back and my elbow. And I remember, I remember a few weeks later walking up the stairs to the church I used to go to and the church I grew up in, St. Cecilia's, and my father holding my back and my elbow. And I remember us leaving that service and me thinking the priest was talking directly to me. And this would be the priest that would marry my wife and I later and mm-hmm. confirm me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And the priest comes out. His name is Monsignor Harriman. Uh, and he says, Kevin, how would you like to come? and talk to our 7th and 8th grade class about your experience this Good Friday. And I was like, oh, Father, I don't have a speech and I wouldn't know what to say. And my my dad took his oven mid-sized hand, shoved me forward and said, he'll do it. <laughs> I, was, I was freaking out. I was like, Dad, what are you doing? He goes, "He goes, we need closure. I said, you need closure. I need to go home and lay down. <laughs> and and, and he, he, just, he goes, Kevin, you'll do it. And when my dad says things twice, you do it. Mm-hmm. So... So I show up on Good Friday and I talk to 120 kids in the 7th and 8th grade classes. And at the end of my speech, I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm crying. It was very raw. I read the speech from the page. Um, page by page, I dropped to the floor of a speech I'd written the night before till 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was wow. a, I, was a me- I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was uh, two weeks later that I got a, a call from Monsignor Harriman and he says, Kevin, would you please come to the rectory? I've got something for you. And I, and I was like, well, my dad's at work. I, I can't get around. Mm-hmm. So I huffed it. I walked two miles up a giant hill with my back <laughs> brace and my cane, sweating the entire time. I got to Monsignor Harriman's office. He handed me a manila envelope with a, with a beautiful folder inside that was hand-drawn, a hand-drawn picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Inside that that hand drawn letter or hand hand drawn folder was 120 letters from 120 kids. Wow. Oh wow! And I realized they didn't they weren't you know they didn't all write the letters voluntarily. They were mandated to write a letter to me. But uh, the best part about it was they were given no parameters on what they could write. Mm-hmm. So they wrote to their heart's content, and six of them were actively suicidal. Oh, and wow. because there was, those letters were screened because there were minors under the age of 18, we were able to get them to safety and they're alive today. Wow. And it was that moment reading those letters, finding out that those lives had chosen to stay, that my father and I said, we have to do this however, wherever, whenever possible. Mm-hmm. And we never stopped. Wow. That is, and that's so impactful. I know, and And it's just like that, right? Going into a room, there could be, I don't know, there can be a thousand people, 300 people, but even if you just save one, it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that that's the meaning of what you're doing. So family is 
the most important thing to Victor and I. Yeah, and with the holidays, uh, it really makes me think about my family a lot. They'll be here next week, but most of the time we, we don't get to see each other because we live so far apart. We're right. all spread out. So something that's cool that Victor is doing with his family is something called StoryWorth. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's like a email prompt where they send questions weekly to Victor's family and they answer the questions. They put a picture with the question. And then after a year of all these questions, it is formulated into like a hardcover book. Yeah. So he will have it forever. His um, parents' answers, his grandma's answers, whoever you want to do it for. And you can yeah. make whoever wants a copy of this can have it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of does the hard work for you of like asking these questions that maybe you didn't even think to ask, like what's the riskiest thing you've ever done? Um, and then they have a story behind it and memories to share. Yeah, you never know what you're uh, what you'll uncover uh, in your family history with Storyworth. It's it's actually really cool. I'm excited to use it. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to having that hard cover book. You know, just to be able to pass on and just to hear what everybody had to say and just to have that saved. Um, so that's awesome. So, so you can sign up today by going to storyworth.com slash Coco. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash C-O-C-O for $20 off. Were you ever a, a public speaker? Like how, how does that, how did that How did you teach yourself how to become a better speaker? Because that is nerve wracking. I mean, just standing up in front of, I don't know, 10 people is nerve wracking for, you know, most people. Like how how did you get that confidence to do that? Especially, you know, going from where that happened, was that, was that first speech where you're like, oh, I'm sold on this or did it just take you a minute to get your groove going? Well, I was, I was, uh, I was, I had done theater training in high school and college. Okay. Um, so I've been in theater and, and acting for the camera kind of stuff. Um, but, but I, uh, it was the theater training, but it was also, um, practice. I would just, for the first, first two presentations, I read them from the page. And I remember the, the second presentation I gave after that first one, this kid raises his hand and he goes, Hey, Hey, Mr. Hines. And I said, that's my dad's name. He's in the back of the corner. Mm-hmm. My name's Kevin. And he goes, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> he goes, sure, buddy. He goes, hey, Mr. Hines, why do you read it from the page? You were there. And my my dad from the back did this old thing that this Mike Tyson referee used to do where he points at the camera, makes a circle with his hand, and repoints. Mm-hmm. And um, and it means he got you. <laughs> and and, and it, it, was, it was true. He got me. And uh, I get in the car, and I knew what my dad was going to say. He goes, he got you. I said, yeah, I know, Dad. I, I got the reference. And he goes, he goes, Kevin, never read it again. You were there. And that was it. I never, I never read it again. Um, I never read it again. And, and, and it was something that I would train myself to be organic and, and, to, and really to, to make sure that it sounds like it's being coming from the heart and the gut for the first time every presentation. Because really... I'm I'm recounting the story I know, but mm-hmm. but I try to change it up for every every audience based on their demographic and what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So it's slightly augmented everywhere I tell it to be present in that moment for the people who are watching. That's awesome, and 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 I know you speak everywhere. You've spoken to in different conferences and people in the military. About how many people do you think you've talked to over the course of your uh, speaking engagements and career right now? 
Oh, I, I, it's it's well over uh, two million people in person. Oh wow! And and it's um it's close to a billion, if not for, if not more than a billion online through vi- to the video platforms. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, um it, it, be, between between the between podcast reach and actual speeches online um, and media, uh, all kinds of media, it's uh, it's the stories reached nearly or over a billion people. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's and that's exactly you know the the purpose of what you're doing, right? The reach the most yeah. people possible. And then yeah. as as you've been doing this and you start gaining, you know, getting more conferences and more talks. Did that lead you to want to write a book? Because I know you have, you know, you, and you had a best-selling book or have a best-selling book rather. Uh, came out in 2013. Uh, Crack cracked, not broken. Yeah. Um, so how how did that uh, come to be? You know, people just kept really begging for the book, and and we just we decided to. I decided to finally write it, and I um, my wife helped me, and it was. Um, it's something that's uh, actually still a bestseller today, six years later, or however many, however many years later. I think it was, I think it was dropped in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has this great piece at the end called "The Art of Wellness," which is a 10-step guide to better brain health. Which we ended up building a YouTube channel around. Uh, it's just YouTube.com/slash Kevin Hines, which now has 400 videos that we developed over the last few years that are helpful for people in brain pain. They're helpful for people who are suicidal, and they're designed to help people choose life. Um, they're they're actually a lot of them are science based, evidence informed, using the power of sticky memories and neuroplasticity of the brain to help people stay here. Um, so we we create. My wife and I started a video production company called Seventeenth Montgomery Productions, which is which the title is very special because. A, she's the most important person in my life mm-hmm. who saved my life more times than I can count on my appendages. But but B, 17th Avenue was her first was her apartment that I used to hang around at too much. And then at Montgomery Street is our first apartment together. They don't cross in San Francisco those streets, but we made them the production company, 17th Montgomery Productions, with the idea that we would be one of the first production companies solely developed to create mental health media. Mm-hmm. And... We have uh, we've launched a film called Suicide: The Ripple Effect. Yeah, I was going to ask about now. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that film that film has been seen by over seven hundred fifty thousand people around over twenty five different countries, and three hundred plus people have said that the film saved their life. Wow! Um, so when that happened, we knew we had to create media on a regular basis. So we've created the YouTube channel, and we have media that comes out every Thursday and Saturday. Um, that is designed to help people in that kind of pain. So th- for me, that's just so amazing because you, you, you went from wanting to be closed off, don't want to talk to anybody about you know, your, your mental health. And then not only you're doing speeches, you're exposing yourself essentially, your vulnerabilities to the world. And then you write a book and then you, do, you become a filmmaker, right? You do this documentary and your story is really out there. I mean, that's just incredible i mean did you ever foresee yourself doing any of this stuff or just kind of happen on the road like all right this is what we have to do next and i mean uh, you're working on a comic (laughs) you know so like all these things it's just it's just really crazy in a docuseries as well so how how do you 
how do you do these things, right? Because that, that has to be a big question for anybody too. This is not just mental health in general, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how do you just continue being this amazing, I guess, almost an entrepreneur as well in a sense, as well as getting a great message out there? How do you combine that? You know, it, it was really organic. Every step, every step happened on its own. It was like um, the speaking was going really well. We were like, okay, well, what are people looking for? And then we realized... People wanted the book because I get asked so many times to write a book. So we wrote the book. That did really well. And then people wanted to know uh, what was next. And I've and I, and I, and I I've always wanted to make films. I always wanted to be a, a person that was involved in the film world. Um, and so uh, a long time ago, I wanted to be an actor. And then I, I realized, no, I want to actually physically make the movies. Um, and, and partnered up with a good friend in mental health. And we made the documentary. Uh and there was a lot of people involved and um, it did so well. We were like, okay, well, how do we create media that comes out on a regular basis? Obviously, YouTube is one of the easiest ways to do that. And so we just, it was about picking the right day of the week and, and putting it out every, every, every Thursday and Saturday and seeing the result. And it's a fledgling channel. It's a small channel, but it's growing fast and it's mm-hmm. growing well. And, um, and uh, when people... We have a ninety, I think a ninety-nine percent positive comment rating, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's pe- people who, it's people who are in pain, who are finding solace in the videos, who are finding hope in them, and um, who are t- and, and they write they write to us and they say this video, that video helped me stay here, mm-hmm. and so that's why we keep making them because we know they're going to have that impact, whether on a small audience or large, and then um, and then we do. We do videos with other organizations and other groups that go viral uh, a lot. So we that that always spreads the message even further. Um, our latest PSA is called "It Was an Instant Regret" on the YouTube channel, uh, and it's it's um, been credited with saving so many lives. In the the BuzzFeed video we did, thousands of people have written into that of the 500 million that have seen it across all social media platforms. And said that it, it saved their life. So we have to keep making this stuff because we know it's having that impact. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about the story that connects with so many people in so many ways, but I'm so blessed and grateful for it mm-hmm. um, because it allows me to keep pushing forward and 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 telling new stories that people haven't heard yet. Yeah, no, definitely, and 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 I think it's so compelling just because you made a decision that was almost certainly going to get the end end result that you wanted at that moment and it didn't happen. So you can come back and tell that story. And I think that's why it connects with people that may have those thoughts, but stop them before they even do it. You know what I mean? So you're the person that they can connect with. So it is time for the holidays. It's the most (laughs) wonderful time of the year. Yes. So that means a lot of people are going to visit their family and traveling. Well, Victor and I just got new suitcases from Away. Yes. We absolutely love the suitcases. There are um, different styles and colors. 
whatever you're thinking that you want, they will have. And they're very durable. They're thoughtfully designed to last a lifetime. Well, and they have different types. So they have the polycarbonate ones, they have aluminum ones, and they even have like durable nylon. Um, And I think one of the things that I like the most is when you travel, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not at a place long enough to do laundry, (laughs) they have in the suitcases, they have an organization system and it literally has like a laundry bag in there. And it's removable. That's cool. But you could separate your clothes. And I think, and I know, for me, that's awesome. I love having the 360 spinner wheels because I kind of just push my suitcase like a crazy person. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I can't like just drag it. So I push <laughs> it in front of me. So they have the 360 wheels and they also have a combination lock if that's something you're interested in um, to have on your suitcase. And like I said, they're designed to last a lifetime. So if any part of your suitcase breaks, they have a awesome customer service team that will arrange for to have it fixed or replaced. There's a 100-day free trial, so you can literally travel with the suitcase, decide you don't like it, and send it back. And then there's free shipping and free returns. Literally everywhere, U.S., Europe, Canada, and Australia. And they have a 100-day trial on everything uh, that they make. So you can try it out. You can live with it, travel with it, do everything. And if you don't like it, uh, you can send it back. So there's literally no risk. For $20 off your suitcase or bag, you can visit awaytravel.com forward slash Coco and use promo code Coco, C-O-C-O, during checkout. Again, for $20 off any suitcase or bag, visit awaytravel.com forward slash Coco and use promo code COCO. And now that we know so much about you, you have an amazing story. I want to know how you how you go every day because it's not like mm-hmm. the mental health didn't disappear, right? It's not like it, it's gone. You're still functioning every day, and I imagine you have your highs and lows like anybody that does have a mental health uh, disorder. And so how, how do you cope with that? What is your mechanism? Because And I know, and I know that's what people want to hear because they're going through their days in and out. Um, doing their regular jobs and still have their bad days and good days. So how do you manage that? Very carefully. I still have real bad days and and terrifying ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And I crashed into these dark abysses of depression. So, so really it's, it's, um, it's, it's what I developed for that, for the YouTube channel. It's, uh, it's 10 steps called the art of wellness a quick guide to great mental health. It's all about uh, exercise, eating healthy foods, meditating, eat, taking my medication with 100% accuracy at the same time every day, using coping strategies that benefit my brain health, like music and art therapy on a regular basis, um, educating myself as to my diagnosis, and building a mental health emergency plan that involves people who love me into my circle of protection. I call them my personal protectors. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I actually published this in many different ways. It's in the back of the book. Uh, it is on the YouTube channel in, in, in 12 video format, three to five minute videos uh, that are designed to help you put these steps into your daily life. And if you follow them in six to nine months, you'll see a dramatic improvement in your mental health. Um, and so I did this program that I built for myself and then I wrote it for the world. Uh, it's in a HuffPost article as well in more detailed format. And it's on our website, kevinheinstory.com slash resources, which are free resources we give out to the world that are usually hawked for a lot of money. 
we, we design them and give them out for people in pain. We've got a Parents and Teachers Guide to Suicide Prevention for Teens. And we've got a, uh, a YouTube channel guide to show you what, me- what, what videos of the 400 videos uh, help what mental illness mm. uh, and what mental struggle. So it's definitely all-encompassing, and we try to cover all topics for people in, in that kind of pain. Well, that's great, and and I really do appreciate the fact that it's all out there for free. So many websites mm-hmm. have give you like the teaser, and then you got to buy it. You know? Yep. So yep. it's it's really beneficial this way because it's already hard enough for somebody to admit that they have you know uh, a mental health disorder, and and to, yeah. so once you have those resources out there for them, that that makes it amazingly better. Um, and with this, you, you have your process, you do everything you need to do, but sometimes you still find yourselves, uh, find yourself in, in a situation where I think it was like earlier this year, you, you, uh, admitted yourself into psychiatric care. Um, yep. and it's, yeah, just tell me a little bit about that because I know some people, especially would want to keep themselves closed off when something like this happens because they are in the social media light so much. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, well I should be immune now because I'm doing all the mm-hmm. stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. So, you know, just talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the people that proclaim they're recovered from their mental illness are, are, are lying to their teeth. Mm-hmm. I'm in recovery every day. This is a step-by-step process. And I went back to the psych ward about 25, 30 weeks ago, uh, because I was in a manic state for almost a year. I had uh, issues with my skin disease that was causing me excruciating pain. And in that, they had taken me off my meds, put me back on different meds. And then I, I went off my meds without telling anyone. Mm. I, I, and I, I, just, I, I never thought that would happen to me again. I never thought I would do something like that, knowing so many, for so many years being so well knowing that, you know, why would, why would I take that risk? But I was in, in so much physical pain and the pain was by some of the doctors being caused by the meds. And, and so I, I, I went off them and I, I went skyrocketing into manic episode and, and became suicidal again and went right back in the psych ward. Um, but I admitted myself with my wife and so right by my side and it was something I needed to do to stabilize. I stabilized and I came out a better, better for it. And I announced that on social media because mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that just talks about the good times mm-hmm. and the great stuff and the accomplishments and, and, and lie through my teeth about the fact that I'm still really, really struggling. Right. And so if you look at, if you look at my last five YouTube videos on that channel, three of them are real-time episodes of me in pain. One's called Paranoid Delusions. One's called um, uh, Manic Episodes. And one's called Halfway Home Blues. And it's, it's, it, they were shot, all, all three of them were shot when I was in a really bad place mentally. Um, and, but they also have great lessons to be learned from them mm-hmm. because I'm still able to talk to the person at the end of the video about what they're going through, whoever's watching, and help them see that there is hope. Yeah. Uh, because I st- because I still have it. That's the one thing that never leaves me, is hope. Even if I'm in a darkened tunnel vision, I can always see the forest through the trees these days. And I think it's because I'm so self aware. Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize even inside suicidal crisis that I still have value and that I'm still worthy of this life. And I think that's what helps keep me here. Is that every time I'm suicidal, I say four simple but effective words 
I need help now. Mm -hmm. And whoever is in front of me is going to get those words and I'm going to keep saying them until someone's willing to help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, if nobody knows they can't help you. So you're absolutely right. Um, and speaking to that, uh, your wife, Margaret, correct? Yes. Your wife, Margaret, uh, an incredible woman as well, right? Stood by your side. She's oh doing gosh. everything uh, with you and, and helping you through everything that you're doing. And so how does, how does, I mean, how did phrase this? People that have significant others with mental health disorders, Mm -hmm. how do they care for their own mental health when their significant other is needing help? You know, uh, it's about, I think, you know, she, when she married me, when she met me, Mm -hmm. I was, we met in the psych ward. I mean, we met in my third psych ward stay. Oh, okay. Uh, um, You know, she was visiting her cousin who was in there and I was a patient. And for me, it was love at first sight. And for her, mm-hmm. it was quickly after that. And we, 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 she, from the very beginning, knew what she was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and she helps me by keeping me honest, by helping me get through my symptoms. Uh, every time I'm depressed, she's like, you know, get dropped down and give me 50 push ups, you know? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, 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 or, or go for a run or, get this out of your system kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it really, you know, more than anything else, it's her listening ear and her being by my side, her holding my hand and her letting me know that it's going to get, this is going to pass and I'm going to get better. Um, it's that constant reassurance that together we can, together we will, together we must. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we look at suicide prevention in general, that we will change the tide of prevention if the entirety of the suicide prevention and mental health world decides to stop competing and start connecting and collaborating, we could actually lower these numbers. Mm-hmm. So I think just by her helping me, um, she's helping me in our larger mission to do good for the world. But she really helps me stay stable by physically being there, being open and honest, telling me when I'm kind of, you know, falling off my routine and getting me back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that is great because I Nicole is my rock, you know, mm-hmm. and and so I can only go. imagine how Margaret is to you, uh, and that's just great that you guys are able to. Basically, you guys are coworkers, right? Your life partners. She's your wife. We are. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're everything. So that that is really really amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Um, and I was looking at your social media early, and I told this to Nicole, and and you had a post on there that we both thought was the most true thing, especially in this age of social media. And I'm just going to read it. Uh, You said, make sure you are happy in real life, not just on social media. People put their highlight reel, so don't compare your life to theirs. Live your life to the fullest. And I just think that is so true. People live this highlight reel on social media and then other people see it that may not have that highlight reel or may not be posting anything. I'm like, wow, why can't I be as happy as that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And like... What are your thoughts about that? Well, the thought on that is that so many people are competing with what they see online. And really, the only person you should be competing with is yourself. Mm -hmm. If you compete with yourself, you never lose. Mm -hmm. You only gain. You only become better. You only only do better. Um, My friend of mine, Mark Doner, uh, uh, from, from, from YouTube fame, does that really well. He does, he did this whole video on self competition 
being the only competition he has because he can only get make himself better if he chooses to, not based on what he's worried about on outside forces. And, and you know, I, I always agreed with that. Like, why waste your time trying to beat somebody else's successes? Why not just be happy for their success? Yeah. Why not just be so excited that somebody else did that first and did a great job at it? And then whatever you're doing, go in it and, and make yourself better for you, for you and for your family mm-hmm. uh, or for your friends. You know, this idea that we have to compete with everyone around us is, is really nonsense. Yes, there are competitive jobs. Yes, there are competitive workplaces. I get that. That's healthy competition. I'm talking about when you're looking at these social media posts, you're like, oh, I want that. The reality is that person could be on that post smiling, but when they put the camera down, they could be frowning mm-hmm. and, and depressed. Yep. And that's, that's what we're missing is like not everything on social media is it, – it, well, everything we see is all rosy and cheery. Mm-hmm. But when, when their cameras go off too, they have their own hardships and we have to recognize that. So wanting to be like someone online is just a waste of time. Yeah. Be yourself. Be your own person and compete only with yourself and you'll always win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's so true. I think human nature for some reason has made us to where you see somebody you know, with a new car or got a great new job. A part of them is sometimes a little jealous. I think it's a uh, few people a lot of times are like, and it's mostly like the ones love them around them close mm-hmm. are really happy. And then as soon as you start moving outside of those circles, it's like, oh, like, what does he think? Or what does she think? Or, you know, why'd they get that? You know, so I don't know. It's just Mm -hmm. weird that it works like that. But because even we'll post something we're real excited about and then we'll get the some negative comments of just like and we just got to not let them get to us. We're just surprised that they show up sometimes when it's just such a happy message. Yeah, I tell Like a new job or mm -hmm. something like that. I tell Mm -hmm. Nicole sometimes like, you don't know these people, right? This person can live in another state so far away like their opinion really does not matter to me. I'd be worried if it was Nicole or my parents or somebody like that, but people that are so far removed shouldn't have such an impact on my life. Mm -hmm. How you feel feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. The, the higher you rise, the harder you fall, the more the more heavily the target is on your back. You just have to keep moving forward mm-hmm. and know that you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think that if you if you if you care about that target on your back, then it's going to affect you in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But if you realize that those people are pretty miserable to be hating on you mm-hmm. all, every day, they've got their own issues that that uh, allow them to be trolling you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's, if you, if you look at it like this, that's their problem, not yours. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now I'm going to play, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Okay. Uh, some people have the idea that talking so openly about suicide just makes it okay for other people to maybe want to commit suicide, right? There is a sect of people that believes that. And so what is your counter to that? Well, first I would call it dying by suicide because I, I, I people say commit, but I feel like that means they committed a crime. And I always say dying by suicide because we drive any other organ disease. This is just the brain pain we're in today. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and people that say if you talk about it, it'll cause it. It's a it's a it's a it's a complete and total myth. If we don't talk about it, we cannot stop people from it. 
people people are living in silence in their pain, mm-hmm. and in that silence, they're dying by suicide. So if we don't talk about it and say, "Are you suicidal? Have you made a plan to take your life? Um, is there anything I can do? How can I be there for you? What can I do to save you, keep you here?" You'll never know who is suicidal in the first place without bringing up the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margaret and I have countlessly helped so many people in person who were suicidal just by asking those questions and finding out because we thought they were depressed. We thought they were under the weather. We thought they were unwell. And we asked those questions, got to the core of the problem, got to the, the, the root of the problem and got them to safety and they're alive today. And these are personal friends who refer us to people in that kind of pain. Mm-hmm. I just got a call yesterday from a, a brother of someone who wants me to consult with them. We do this all for free. We, we, we you know, about how to reach someone in, in real pain. And we're about to start working with this young man uh, and his family to help keep him here on a regular basis. It's, it's, if we don't talk about it, no one will know uh, how to survive it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, this I- is really, this is really effective peer to peer education. And if we, if we can, if we can use the peer to peer model to help people that are like-minded to us and that have gone through similar things, we can keep them, keep them alive and try to help them stay. And I think it's really important too that even if someone doesn't seem like they're really, really down, um, but they do suffer from mental illness, that it's important to check in with them. Um, just because my uncle committed suicide, well, he died last week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. From, oh, I'm just saying. Yeah, so he uh, he he died by suicide, um, and so, oh, that, so that's sorry. something that they you know their family was going through or is continuously going but through was, right now. He he was um, he was doing so good, but everyone thought he was so good that they weren't maybe checking on him. I mean, they did check yeah. on him every day, but it was to where wow, this is the best he's been in fifteen years. And then um, it, oh, wow. it happened. Yeah, maybe they, they checked on his normal, right, mm-hmm. on his exterior, but they didn't get to it the core. It was actually better. He was doing better the past four days before he did it. So maybe that was kind of like a sign there too. Um, that is a sign. Yeah, that, yeah, that's actually typical. It's, a, it's called a feeling of elation when you feel like you're going to end the pain and you, you start to act happier. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. and, that, and so you're right. I mean, not, it's not our fault. It's not your fault that happened, but, but it's, it's, it's devastating. I just lost uh, a, a guy called a brother three weeks ago to suicide. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the same way you did. Like, what, what could I have done? And uh, even though I trained not to feel guilt or blame, I still feel it. Um, and it's just an awful, awful feeling. Um, but And he wouldn't have had, he, he wouldn't have had media. I think a lot of people were... Yeah. I, they're like older. They don't really have even computers. So um, maybe if if he could have like I'm thinking now, like if he could have saw something of your work or, but he didn't. He doesn't have like yeah. he didn't have access to that. We I guess. live in a we live in an area where it's still I believe a censored topic, right? Mental mm-hmm. health and ta- and like yeah. talking to a psychiatrist or a mental health specialist right. is is more or less like frowned upon or like oh do they you, just you think know like, who they're just talking like to? get better it's like no your brain is an organ Sick. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. you can't yeah. so it's just there's, it's hard. there's there's no evidence that not to, that, there's no evidence that talking about it openly uh, uh uh causes suicide there is evidence that talking about it saves lives 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if, if you look at the science-based evidence-informed information out there, there are groups out there that are trying to shut down people like me and my voice for being too loud and too open when, in fact, we have a track record and know, uh, you know, by sheer letter amount, letters that come in from all over the world that thousands of lives have been altered forever in a positive way mm-hmm. and that these people say, these people claim that this story saved their life. My, my life story and the way I tell it is the only science-based, evidence-informed story proven uh, of lived experience proven to save lives. And so we did the studies, we did the research, and we know that it's having that effect. Um, but still, yet, there are folks out there um, who would like to shut us down, quiet us, and, and tell us that we're causing suicides when they have no evidence to that fact. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and no proof. It's just them being fearful of change. And I, I firmly believe that lived experience is going to shift the tide in prevention, not clinical experience. You, if you haven't been through what I've been through, you do not know how to help me stay alive. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I greatly appreciate all the clinicians in my life. They've helped change my life. They've helped augment my destiny. They've helped do a lot of things. Um, but it's the people that I rely on next to me with lived experience. It's, it's the friends and the, and the family um, and, and the people who live with similar diagnoses that I relate to the most and that I can, that can help me the most. Yep. That's how I feel about with my anxiety. It's like until I just learned like talking about it with people that have experienced it. I'm like, okay, yes, that's so what I'm feeling. But even Victor, who um, he tries to help me sometimes and he hasn't experienced it. So it's kind of, it's kind of like harder for him to help me out of like a panic attack or something because he does, he hasn't, it's not his fault. He just doesn't know what it feels like and I can tell him what I need, but at the same time. It's like hard for me to talk when I'm having them. So, um, so yeah, it, I completely agree with it. If someone went through the same thing as you and feels the same thing as you, you relate on so many different levels and you can get help from that. Maybe that's why the, the story has been so far spread as it has. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why it, it's, it's, it's so um, um, appreciated by so many. I, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. um I just know that my wife and I are lucky as you guys are to, to have found each other mm-hmm. and lucky to, to uh, lucky. I'm lucky to exist. I'm lucky, lucky to be anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for it because had I not survived, you, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And do you know of any, uh, cause I had seen a while ago and this is a while ago, medical research for the future of, of mental health. Cause I had seen something like, they implant uh, an electrode in the brain that shoots out signals like your brain would normally do to help the chemical imbalances in there. Have you seen any like research or anything that they're working on for mental health in the future? Well, they're looking at trying to find the bipolar gene, which is fascinating. Oh, wow. Is it, the question is, is there a bipolar gene? And if so, if we know what it is, how can we augment it? So that's interesting, I think. Oh, yeah, that is. That is really uh, interesting. Certainly. Certainly the electrode piece you talked about is fascinating. I think those two on the cusp of, of that kind of change is really, really eye-opening. Hopefully, and hopefully it will be very helpful. Yeah, because that, that would be amazing. You, I mean, it, I can't imagine what it would feel like to have 
almost like a switch put into your brain that once that thing is on mm-hmm. and you, 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 all your chemicals are balanced mm-hmm. how they're supposed to be and then you don't feel it anymore. I mean, I, I just can't imagine whoever the first person is to do that and if that ever does happen, it has to be a, such a surreal and amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, and anything else that uh, you want to tell our listeners, uh, you know, anywhere, maybe even just your website again and that type of information or any like closing statements that you want to give to people out there that might be suffering from a mental health disorder? Oh, I'll give you, uh, uh, absolutely. So if you're in crisis today and you're considering suicide, I want you to, I want you to text CNQR to 741-741, the crisis text line. That's C for courage to talk about your mental health, N for normalize the conversation of it, Q for ask the questions, are you suicidal and have you made a plan to take your life, uh, and R is recovery because I'm living proof, uh, and text CNQR to 741 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, plus one for military. And if you need help and you need to change your life and you want to learn the art of wellness, go to youtube.com slash Kevin Hines. Go to the playlist, The Art of Wellness. Click on that, that playlist. Watch those 12 videos, 10 steps, three to five minute, easily digestible videos to help change your brain health for the rest of your life and do that today and follow that plan because it's going to augment your destiny. It's going to change your mental health. In six to nine months, you're going to be a different person mm-hmm. uh, with, 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 with the ability to fight the pain, no matter the pain, in spite of the pain, to thrive today. We can all thrive together. You can defeat this struggle. You can live one day at a time knowing that you've got this on lockdown. And um, if nobody else tells you today, we love you and we want you to stay. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you so much, Kevin. No problem, you can always uh, you see him on his Instagram, Kevin Hines uh, story, mm-hmm. puts a bunch of great stuff on there. But we really appreciate you coming on, talking with us. And mm-hmm. uh, and we wish you a good rest of your day and good luck on uh, your, your next uh, projects that you have coming. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Really, really uh, amazing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, such an amazing story. And just to be able to come out of all that, uh, yeah, he's great. And I'm so happy that he's able to change so many lives now. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch. Uh, and talk about it so openly. Yeah, and- yeah. I'm excited to uh, watch uh, anything else that he has coming out soon. You know. The, mm-hmm. So anyway, that's great. Um, and now we're going to move in to the Spanish word of the day. Okay. All right. So Spanish word of the day, and it's going to sound complicated, but it's not complicated. You can get it. Mm-hmm. All right. You'll be able to get it. Okay. Psicólogo. Psiqui, what? <laughs> Psicólogo. 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 Oh, that is hard to Psicólogo. say. So a psicólogo mm-hmm. is in, is supposed to be an expert in psicología. So it's a professional? Yes, but like of, a mental health professional? Which would be a I mean, are you what word are you going with for psicólogo, this? Psicólogo, psicología. Psychology, psychologist. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Huh? Yeah, I was thinking counselor for some reason as far as the C part. For some reason, when you say a Spanish word, I just think of words that start with the same letter or the same (laughs) sound. It it does. It does. Psychologist, psicología. You're right. And I was thinking C's, but 
psychology starts with a P, even though it doesn't sound like it. So I was thrown <laughs> off. Yeah. So there you go. So okay. Spanish word of the day is psychologist, which is psicologo, or psychology, psicologo. which is psicología. Okay. Right. They're all from stem from the same Latin word, I believe. That's why they're probably the same. Yeah. Um, but okay. Something that we have did we? I don't know if we did this last episode or not, or we haven't been as consistent. So we want to bring it back to you guys. Well, because when we have a more serious episode, we're like, is it okay to do like our fun segments? Honestly, that's kind of what we're thinking. And I think we should because just mm-hmm. because it's a serious uh, topic, doesn't it doesn't take mean, away from doing right. uh, you know a weird or normal because mm-hmm. those don't relate to each other, right? right? We had that conversation. We hope you learned from that conversation right. and we want to keep that conversation going. Well, we want to be consistent with how we're ending our episodes because this is our favorite segments too. Or they're fun. Yes, exactly. We never know. Okay, so weird or normal. Is it weird or normal to open up a pack of candy such as gummy bears and let it get hard before you eat them? So I have, uh, that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I am of the opinion that when you open a candy, mm-hmm. you eat it all, right? Okay. That's kind of how I go about life. And I don't know if that's the best way to go about it because sometimes it'll be a big thing of candy and you might not. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about how I don't like fresh gummy bears. I have to open them up, let them get hard, and then I want to eat oh, them. Oh, yeah, that's 100% weird. Yeah, I didn't mean like save some for later. I meant or eat it all in one so sitting. So you intentionally yes. open the gummy bears, yes. let them sit, let them get hard, and then you mm-hmm. eat them. Yeah, I don't like them like soft and fresh. That is very, is that even, so I'm going to have to do some research after this and see if that's even healthy to do. Like, yeah. does it does it ruin or does it change the gummy bears? But, like, sometimes it's just too soft and doesn't taste good. So I like when they're either, like, kind of older. Yeah, but like, then you get stuck into the... No, it's not, it's, it's like, not, like, that hard. Yeah, it's like... They're, like, pretty hard, though. Because I find myself doing that, even with, uh, with any... Not with, like, candy bars, but with any gummy. I let them get hard and I like them better. It's more flavor. Kind of like I like cold food. There's more flavor. So maybe... That is weird. Mm-hmm. When we already had that conversation. Yeah. Eating cold food is weird. But but maybe this is more of a flavor. Maybe it's a texture thing. It could be a texture thing because I freeze and this is normal. People yeah. put their like chocolates and stuff in, in the, the refrigerator freeze. or the yeah. freezer and then eat them later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that with like the, the 35 pack of Twix that I bought. Um, did we ever talk about that? No. Oh, okay. So... I was having a problem and my problem was I was getting out of work and then when I stopped at the gas station because I had to get gas every time Mm -hmm. because of the drive that I'm making, I stop at the same gas station, I'd get gas and I'd buy two king size Twix and then I'd be spending like $3 each time. Nicole would get matched. She said, we have snacks at the house. We We have have chips. We have candy. candy. We have everything at the house. Why in the world are you spending money on this? And I was like, babe. Look, at this point, I've probably spent, what, three, six, nine, twelve, maybe $12 in the course of those four weeks or whatever it was on Twix. And I had only, what, bought maybe, what, two, four, six, eight. But we have a whole bag of Halloween candy still. So what I did was I was like, babe, what I'm going to do, and I just floated the idea by her. I was like, what if I just buy a 35 box of Twix on Amazon for 20 bucks? Right? Be saving money. And I said Because I'm going to no. buy them anyway. I said no because I was hoping that he would just eat like the candy that we have here that no one else is going to eat. But you buy candy that I don't necessarily like. like. No. <laughs> this is what's annoying about Victor is that he 
will just like eat the same thing for a week. It's <laughs> annoying. Like this has been going on for months. The Twix, he only eats Twix. And then what's the other thing you're obsessed with right now? Um, I can't remember. I, I, I always eat chips, but Twix specifically now is my, is my go-to. Twix. Oh, and I was thinking beer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always like beer. Who doesn't like beer? I guess like, I guess it's just Twix. He's obsessed, but he'll go like weeks where he just eats tacos every day. And that's like annoying for me because I want to cook something and switch it up. But he doesn't want a Reese's or anything. He wants just Twix. So if anything, when I, when I think about this, uh, I think that it would be easier for you because then you don't have to guess, right? So if I came home and you had made tacos again, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you, babe. I am so happy because I really like tacos and I'm in a taco binge right now. So if I got home and what you had was a plate of tacos and then next to it, a dessert of Twix, I'd be so happy. Don't See, I'm like the type that I like to cook and provide for others. And so when they cook and provide for themselves, it makes me feel like kind of depressed. No, but that's not me cooking and providing for myself. So this is what Nicole will do. Nicole will know. It'll hurt my feelings. But Nicole will know. With 100% certainty that if I come home and I have a taco, I'll be happy, right? But she, she'll she think she'll be doing me a favor and then she'll make, I don't know, she'll make some type of, uh, of other meat, right? Let's say she'll make a little steak or something and or deer steak or something that I would maybe eat, you know, on another occasion when <laughs> I'm not in this binge with some rice and vegetables. And I'll be like, oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And then I'll eat that. And then later that day... Or the next day, I'll make a taco and I'll be so happy. Yeah, I guess I will just see it as for what it is. And it's simple. I'll just make you tacos and Twix until you tell me not to until further notice. (laughs) It is easy, so I'm not going to complain. So right now, you let me know when you get sick of it. That's what you're getting when you come home next weekend as well. Doesn't it make it easier for you since you already know? Yes, it does. All right. I don't have to be creative, I guess. There you go. There you go. Just make... Just trying to make it easier for you. I'll just let you go to Taco Bell. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm not doing that, right? I like the home-cooked taco. Okay. Right? So I I do enjoy that. If anything, that is a good weird or normal. Is it weird to... Eat the same thing every single day? But for like... Maybe for like two months, right? Literally two months. I think it was... Where was that last time? He loves pizzas. Frozen pizzas. Not even like the homemade pizzas. He loves like just a cheap frozen... Oh, I did buy you one of those too. Well, the thing with the frozen pizzas is it's not only convenient, but it tastes really good. But I also have a problem is where I'll eat the entire frozen pizza mm-hmm. um, in one sitting. Anyways, <laughs> there's two weirder normals. Do you let your gummies get hard before you eat them? And if you don't, you should try it to see what you think. And also, could be good. Um, have you ever gone on a two-month taco binge? <laughs> If you haven't, you should try it. <laughs> well, okay, it doesn't necessarily have to be tacos, though, but it could be a two-month binge of some just the if, same food. Yeah, and if I was eating the same thing for a month that was healthy, bravo to me. Bravo. Who's to say that tacos are unhealthy? I just think... Meat, tortilla, pico, some salsa. I guess they're not that bad. That's yeah. what's the crazy part about it. Yeah. They're homemade. But... Anyways, Anyways. <laughs> we're going to go into our one of our favorite parts, which is the reviews, because this really gives us feedback from you guys. Uh, and it's you guys are just awesome. We, we love hearing the positive things that you like guys like uh, about the show and how we affect your lives and how it makes you happier. And this is why we read them. So, Nicole, take it away. OK, so this one is from Ryan Wyatt. 
Um, 10 out of 10, five stars. This podcast is unlike any I have listened to. First of all, I've been a fan of Nicole since the second I watched her preseason Big Brother 16 interviews. That's why you picked this one. I then was so happy to see her back on season 18. Mm -hmm. That's when Victor comes into play. Victor is such a man. I legit feel like I could be bros with him. You two are so down to earth, and I feel like I'm partaking in a conversation with my friends. Keep it up, and I hope to see one of y'all, if not both, on Big Brother again. Thanks for filling my weeks with good, pure conversation about real life. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. I also have a semi long one, but it, it's it's very nice and and I really like it. So this one's called "Adorable Couple and Great Guest." Five stars by City underscore Life. I never listen to podcasts, but when they said they were starting, when I gave it a try, I love hearing about life in a small town. I live in the city of Houston, and I think small towns are very adorable. I like hearing of other podcasts y'all listen to because now I'm getting into them. I've always wanted to go on Big Brother, but leaving life for three months seems hard, so I figured if Julie Chen left, I would apply for her job. <laughs> I love Misty Griff. I love the Misty Griffin episode, and adoption has been on my mind uh, the, the past year. I'm a single mom, but I really want more children. After listening to the episode, I have looked up some agencies in my city and started contacting Aww. them. Right? That's awesome. That's awesome. That is really cool. And speaking of Big Brother, if you're interested in the process itself, uh, next week uh, we're going to have uh, Robin Cass on the show. Right. So that'll give you a little bit more insight about that. And there are people that have that same thought even when they're in the process mm-hmm. that they're like man i can't leave my family but i'm already here so right, it'll right. be interesting uh for you guys to listen to that but mm-hmm. no thank you guys so so much thank you you're awesome uh nicole hit them with the outro well we have new merchandise we have long sleeve um shirts now and they are in this like forest green and they're beautiful they're yes. really nice um they're up on the site by the time this comes out, they better be up on the site. <laughs> and um, there's other, there's a couple other shirts, blue and something else. Yeah. So, anyways, Victor's going to take it away <laughs> with the outro. <laughs> Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. The easiest way is on that little purple app on your phone, podcast app. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. That'd be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. And you can always listen at www.cococalientepodcast.com. And that's where you can find our merchandise as well. Don't forget to follow us at Coco Caliente Podcast on Instagram and at Coco Caliente Pod on Twitter. Thank you guys so so much hope you enjoyed